0: used to, you're going to see just how real your faith is. The final thing he says we have in Jesus is a new joy. In verse 8 he says, though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Look at your neighbor and say the end result of your faith. The end result of your faith is what? The salvation of your soul It's eternal life. What is he trying to tell us? Hey, look, there are a million miracles that you could experience in this life, but the end goal of every one of our faith isn't all those miracles, Is that we get the miracle of eternal life. If you get a million miracles in this life, but you miss that one, none of this mattered. And the joy that we have in Christ isn't that I get the miracle right now. It's that when I get to the end of this life, when I breathe my last breath, I'll breathe my first one in eternity. That's the joy that we have. That's the new joy. Why is he telling them this? Because they're being persecuted. One of them might take their last breath that day. And he's letting them know, hey, the joy, the end goal, the target that we're all shooting for is that we make it to the other side. Let that be where your joy is found. I have a new joy, you know why? Because I have a new perspective. In my new perspective, I realize I've got a new home. With my new home, I realize I got a new inheritance. With that new inheritance, I've discovered that I have a new hope. And I have a new hope because Jesus Christ has given me a new life. Are you seeing how this all works together? The gospel is good news. Sometimes, if I'm being honest with you, it's hard for me to remember that I've been made new. Because I struggle with the old man and the regrets of my past. It takes faith in the completed work of Jesus for me to live in the new life that Jesus gives me. It takes faith to believe that I can be something more than I was before I met Jesus. I remember in my spiritual journey as I just came to know Jesus, because I knew Jesus and then I walked away from Jesus and then I came back to Jesus. Anybody been there? Yep, amen. I see those hands, praise God. I know when I came back to Jesus, I carried a whole lot of regrets and I carried some addictions that weren't easy to break even once I came back to Jesus. And in the fight of those addictions, I remember constantly going through my mind and saying, have I really been made new because it doesn't feel that way? But there's a work of the spirit inside of us. We call it in the church sanctification, and it means this, that he's producing that righteous life in you. He's working it all out. And as I walked with Jesus, I saw how faithful Jesus was to me. And the biggest challenge I had was believing what he said about me, that I'm been made new. The fruit of my life will be good, but I got to let him do some work. Are you tracking with me? There's good news. The good news is you can have a new life in Jesus, but sometimes if we're being honest, it's hard to believe that we're there. It takes faith. You got to have faith in what Jesus said to walk in the new life that he's given you. Sometimes if I'm being honest, it's hard for me to see the hope that I have in Jesus because this life can be hard. Because tragedies happen. Because I make mistakes. And in those moments of darkness, it's hard to remember the hope that I have in Jesus. That life won't always be this way. That evil won't win. That sorrow won't endure. And that all things will be made new. I know the truth that there's hope in Jesus. But sometimes life gets at me and it's hard to believe it. Any of you ever been there? So it takes faith to believe in the hope that we have in Christ. Sometimes, if I'm being honest, it's hard for me to value my eternal inheritance in heaven over the things of value here and now. Because of my needs, wants, and desires, I can lose focus of the temporary nature of this life's greatest features and lose sight of my heavenly inheritance. Sometimes I value what's now more than I value what's to come. I remember when I was interning and I was not paid, I interned for seven years and didn't even get a wife. Actually, I did get a wife out of it, now that I think about it, Never mind. I interned here for seven years and all I got out of it was a wife. No, I'm kidding, it's, I think she's in here. I, nope, she's not in here, she left. I can say it and it's not being recorded, so we're good. I interned for seven years and didn't get paid, you know what everyone loved to tell me? Boy, you're storing up treasure in heaven. You know what I love to say back? That treasure in heaven don't buy no food on earth. So, sometimes, I know I've got an inheritance in heaven, and I'm so grateful that my eternal inheritance is going to last for eternity. But sometimes, because of what life's doing at me, it's hard for me to see it. Are you, are you tracking with me? But Peter wants us to remember, hey, your inheritance isn't here. This stuff fades. It diminishes. It loses value. Keep your eye on what matters. Right? Sometimes, if I'm being honest, and I want you to know I am being honest, it's hard for me to look forward to heaven when I feel blinded by the struggles at home and in this world. It's hard for me to imagine sometimes that such a perfect place exists when sickness, suffering, sorrow, and death seem to have the upper hand right now. And sometimes I lose, lose, lose sight of the new home that I have in Jesus when I look at the home I'm in right now and I see the struggle, Are you guys tracking with me. It's hard to reconcile. If God is so good, why do these things happen? But Peter wants us to know and he's saying to an exiled church, a church that's suffering and being persecuted, he wants them to know, Hey, there's a hope. Don't lose sight of it. Don't lose sight of what you're going to get the new home that you have. That's eternal. Are you tracking with me. Sometimes it's hard for me to keep a new perspective on life when I go through some of life's worst moments. It's hard for me to remember the value of my faith being tested. It's hard for me to see the point in some of the suffering we experience. And sometimes if I'm being honest, it's hard to hold on to the joy of the salvation that's coming when I'm going through the battle right now. And I think that's called being human. I think that it's important for us to realize that we can know truth I have new life in Jesus. I have new hope in Jesus. I have a new inheritance in Jesus. I have a new home in Jesus. I have a new perspective in Jesus and I have a new joy in Jesus. But the Bible doesn't hide from us the reality of life is going to come at you sometimes. If I'm being really honest with you, I feel like I have pretty strong faith in a lot of different areas. You could ask my wife, money is not a concern for me. And I don't say that in a bragging way, and it's definitely not because I have too much of it. It's just I ain't worried about that part. Like, I am just confident that God will meet my needs in that way. And I just it's just in me. I don't know how to explain it. It's there, and I know it's not there for everybody. But for me, it's just not a struggle. You want to know what is hard for me? When my babies get sick. You want to see me at my weakest point. It's when one of my kids are sick. We just recently, my youngest, Micah, he's, he's a year and a half old, we got crouped for the first time, that nasty thing of the devil. Any of you, your kids have crouped before? Yeah, a couple of you. Yeah, yeah. my kid got crouped for the first time. We didn't know what it was, and if Jesse Compton was in here right now, she could, she could verify the story. Uh, we, we put our son to bed one night, and he just kind of had this weird, breathe, like his breathing was just a little off. As we go through the night, his breathing got worse, and it got weirder, and we wake up in the morning and he's like really struggling to breathe. I mean, it's just not normal, and there ain't nothing that I've experienced in life that freaked me out more than my child not breathing right. You got to be able to do that to live, you know? And so my wife took him to, to urgent care, and we get to urgent care, and God bless the young lady that was working at urgent care, but she did not know how to stay calm. And so she's telling my wife we gotta call the the squad right now. You know, his he could flip at any moment and just stop breathing. And and my wife, thankfully, is not like me. She's rock solid. I mean, she just doesn't she's not phased by anything in the whole world. It's really amazing. So she calls me and she's telling me this and I am not rock solid. I'm losing my mind. What do you mean they're calling the ambulance? What do you mean he might stop breathing at any minute? We just sent him there so they would help him breathe. What is happening? And I'm, I'm losing it. If I can be real honest with you, I'm losing it. So I get off the phone with my wife and I call Jesse Compton because that's what every good Christian does. They don't pray first. They call the only doctor they know. And so I call Jesse. I'm like, Jesse, this is what they're telling me. And, and Jesse was great. And she's just like, hey, it's probably just this. They're going to take him to the hospital and just do this. And he's going to be just fine. And before I lost it and started crying uncontrollably, I was like, okay, thank you, bye. And I hung up and then I just started crying. I'm being honest right now. I regained my composure enough to call pastor. I get pastor on the phone. I'm like, pastor, my kids, he's not breathing, pastor. I think he's gonna, I think something bad's gonna happen. They're trying to get the ambulance and I'm just, I'm barely able to talk and pastor just so good. You know, he's just good. Tim, it's gonna be okay. God's bigger than this. I know, Pastor, but he's just not breathing right. I mean, I saw him. He's it's gonna be okay. Let's pray. And Pastor just prayed. And he was like, You're gonna be okay? And I mustered up enough courage to stop crying uncontrollably. And I said, I'm gonna be okay, Pastor. And I hung up the phone with him and I lost it again. And then I called my parents. I don't know why I called my parents. I couldn't talk. I was crying so hard. But I called them, and they're like, what's going on? And I'm literally sobbing uncontrollably. What I'm telling you is my faith is weak in this area, church. I don't—I struggle here. I've got all the faith in the world. I could be flat broken. I know God's going to meet every need. But when my kids are sick, I'm just collapsing like a house of cards and I call my parents and I'm uncontrollably sobbing at this point cuz fear is just welling up inside of me and my parents they can't even understand what I'm saying so they're kind of really freaking out at this point too and I finally get it I'm like hospital croup and they're like oh it's my mom used to be a nurse she's like it's going to be okay honey they're going to give him a treatment she repeated the same thing that Jesse said and you know how the devil works in my brain I'm going they don't know they don't know what's going on and I'm I'm losing it I get to the hospital, the doctor walks in. He goes, hey, I just want you to know, I've been a doctor in this area for 10 years. I've seen hundreds hundreds of kids with croup. I just want you to know, when it happened to my kid, it, it really scared me. And I went, that man was sent from God. And you know what they did? Exactly what Jesse said they would do. And he was fine. And like four days later, he's fine. But what I'm telling you is, I have a weakness in me. And yet I know the truth of the scripture. I know the hope that I have in Jesus. I know the inheritance that I have in Jesus. I know that I belong with him and that he's my father and that he's good. I know that I have a new perspective, that I'm supposed to see trials as something that's going to grow my faith. But what I'm telling you is I crumbled in that moment. And then I thought of people in my church. I thought of my brothers and sisters in Christ who've gone through much worse with their kids. I thought of my brothers and sisters in the church who have lost children. I thought of my brother and sister in Christ who just a couple of weeks ago shared their testimony of how they'd lost their babies. I listened to that, out in my yard, it's dark and I'm watering some grass seed that we just put out and I'm sobbing, listening to their story because my heart's so broken and they're sharing the story and they're giving God glory. And all I can think is, my faith is so terrible. But that's not true at all. What it reveals to us is that we actually need each other. I don't know how they got through it, and I don't know how they maintained their faith through something like that, because that's where I'm weak. And I can know the truth, and you can know the truth. You can be convinced of all the things that Peter says that we have in Jesus, and you can still struggle. So what are we supposed to do? How do we walk in this life where we can know the truth of Jesus, that I have a new life, I have a new hope, I have a new inheritance, I have a new home, I have a new perspective on trials, and I have a new joy in Jesus because I know what the end result of my faith is going to be, and God will be faithful to me. But what do I do when the trials of many different kinds start to weigh me down? What do I do? I've got three things for us. And they all take faith. The first one is this. We got to be confident in Jesus' love for us. In John 13, verse 1, towards the end of that verse, John tells us this, and I think it's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, having loved his own, talking about Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus will not give up on me. Jesus will not give up on you. In the moments when you know the truth and you're failing to live by it, Jesus isn't giving up on you. He loves you, and he will love you to the end. If we're going to make it, if we're going to persevere, we have to be convinced of Jesus' love for us. The second thing we need to do, we find in Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If we're going to make it, we have to be convinced of Jesus's love for us, that he'll never give up on us. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's the pioneer and perfecter. He's the one. that started me in my faith journey when he called me to come and follow when I answered and he's the one that says he'll finish it for me he's gonna get me to the end if I keep my eye on him the third thing that we got to do we find in Hebrews 10 verses 23 through 25 it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Even when you know the truth and life is throwing everything at you to try to get you to not believe it, you hold unswervingly to that hope. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. When I'm at my weak point, I need my brothers and sisters in Christ who are strong in that area to come and bear my burden with me. And I, I feel ashamed, honestly to admit how weak I am in that area. I mean, it is every time I will collapse like a deck of cards. I mean, it's just how weak I am in that area. And I marvel at people who just go through such incredible like, difficulties with their kids and their health. I just marvel at it. I think it's the greatest faith you can have in the world is a parent who can walk steadfastly through a struggle with their kid. So I need those people in my life. And you need me if you're someone that struggles with trusting God for provision. Why? Because I'm confident. I just know God's got me in that way. Why I can't believe that for my kids when they're sick, I don't know. But when it comes to God's provision for for physical needs like food and money and stuff, I'm good. Let's go. How are we going to do this, church? Here's what I know. We're not doing it alone. Because at some moment, you're going to hit the place where even though you know the truth, you're going to collapse like a deck of cards. And I'm going to be there to put my arm in yours. And we're going to walk together towards the target. The end goal of our faith. The salvation of our souls. We're going to do it together. Because Hebrews says that's the only way we're going to get there. You know, I love that Peter In his address to these exiles, he says something that I think is really remarkable. If we go back to verse 8 of 1 Peter 1, we'll read it again. It says this. He says, Though you have not seen him, Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. This is the Peter who walked on water. This is the Peter who saw Jesus heal the leper, the crippled, the demon-possessed, the sick, and the broken. This is the Peter who saw Jesus command the wind and the waves. This is the Peter who saw Jesus Christ glorified on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is the Peter who saw Christ crucified and risen to life again. This was the Peter who was an eyewitness to the life and ministry of Jesus in its fullness. And this is the Peter who was a recipient of the Great Commission, Peter knew Jesus, and you know what he's amazed by? That all of us who have only heard the story of Jesus love him so much and believe in him so much. Peter's amazed by our faith. And he wants to remind those of us who didn't get to experience Jesus the way that he did. He wants to remind us of the truth that we have in him. New life new hope, new inheritance, new home, new perspective, and a new joy. And when we all join together and we encourage one another and we're there to bear one another's weaknesses and we're there to remind each other to keep pressing forward towards the goal, the end goal, the end result of our faith. We keep each other from getting caught up in the moment and losing sight of what we know to be true. When we do this together... We're all going to make it. And that's what Jesus wants. And that's what God wants. And that's what we should want. So look at the person sitting next to you. and You don't have to say anything to them. I just want you to look at them. And in your brain, I want you to think this. At some point in their life, they're going to need me. And at some point in my life, I'm going to need them. So let's just go ahead And partner up. Don't be a lone wolf at church. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't be a lone wolf. Get involved. Here's some great ways to get involved, by the way. Small groups. They're happening tonight. Home groups. They're happening this coming Sunday. It's a great way to get plugged in. You know what would be a great thing for you? Come to a home group, smaller group of people, and when you're having a moment, you can say, Hey, I'm struggling in my faith is weak right now. I need some people who can believe in this area to come and join with me. You know what I'm saying? We, we do things to get us around other people so that we can encourage one another and build each other up. I think when Hebrews says don't, don't like, neglect joining together, I don't think it just means come sit in a pew and don't talk to anybody. I think it means you got to come be with some people because we all need each other. So look at your neighbor and say, we're going to get to the end goal of our faith together. I believe you all. I believe every one of you. Bow your heads, close your eyes.